0: Predictable weather. Hello, welcome to Fast Forward's Let's Hear we blather About Gambling in Scotland podcast, which is brought to you by Fast Forward's Scottish Gambling Education Hub. I am your host, Robert Quigley. In this, our very first podcast, we speak to Lisa Walker about her own very personal journey, which crosses into both gambling and homelessness. It's a very brave and exposing story that she tells and one that we hope will provide some insight into the emotions and ups and downs that Lisa experienced. Listener discretion is advised, as we do talk about some potentially triggering topics. This podcast discusses homelessness, gambling, and substance use. If you're worried about your own gambling, there is support out there, and the first step is to reach out. Well, in this podcast, we focus on Lisa's journey and experience of harm from her gambling, Gambling can also profoundly impact upon loved ones. So if you are worried about or affected by the gambling of someone close to you, please know that you are not alone and confidential support is available. Signposting information can be found in the episode description. Make sure you step away or pause the podcast if you need time. So without any further ado, here's our very first podcast, Lisa's Story, Women, Gambling, and homelessness. Hello and welcome to our very first podcast in this series, Lisa's Story, Women, Gambling and Homelessness. I am delighted today to be joined by Christina Denine, Project Development Officer for Fast Forward. Hello. Hi, Christina. And also by Lauren Heaney, Digital Development Worker gambling harm, Simon Community Scotland. Hi Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How is the weather with you two today? It's very rainy in Edinburgh. (laughs)
1: Grey and grim, yes.
0: (laughs) First day of autumn with the waterproof sun. Absolutely, and that will sound brilliant on the podcast if when people listen to this it is bright sunshine outside. At the time of recording it was very wet. And of course, finally and certainly not least, I want to welcome Lisa Walker herself. Lisa is from Essex and will today be talking about her own lived experience of gambling harms and homelessness. Lisa gambled most days for 16 years, but finally reached out for support in 2018. Lisa's story is even more fascinating because not only does she have the lived experiences of gambling and how that led to homelessness, but she's also begun working in this area to provide support to others in her capacity working for Bet No More. Hi Lisa, how are you?
2: Hi, yeah. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. It's quite sunny in Essex today, so the sun is shining, which is lovely.
0: Well, that provides a balance because if people are listening to this and it's raining, then they can imagine you in the sunshine and us in the, the very cold, um, rainy, wet north. Um, we have had some technical issues this morning, but we're all sorted and I think we are set to go. So, this podcast is really about Lisa's story. Um, myself, Lauren um, and Christina will add some input throughout the podcast, but this really is a chance for Lisa to tell her really fascinating and very brave story about uh, her journey. So I think it makes sense to hand over to Lisa for Lisa to give us, um, in her own words, the background to her journey um, and you know hopefully when you listen to this you'll find that there are some parts that you might be able to relate to some parts that might give you a little bit of hope and light at the end of what can be a dark tunnel Um, but Lisa's story is a really uplifting and positive story um, with some real life experiences within that so Lisa I'll hand it over to you if you want to tell us your story.
2: Yeah so hi everyone Um, so I'll start sort of at the beginning, um, just a bit about me. Um, So I was introduced to gambling. I would say my sort of first memories are about the age of eight. Um, I was sort of taught how to play cards with my dad and my granddad. Um, We used to go to Southend-on-Sea for holidays. And, you know, obviously quite young, um, all very innocent, but I was exposed to it from quite an early age. Um I was um so there's me and my sister and uh, my young, my younger sister and I remember going to South End with like my buckets of bucket of two peas and my sister always wanted to go to the fun fair uh, but I always wanted to be in the arcades and I remember that like quite a young age. Um so fast forward, um listen, I had a lovely childhood, great upbringing um really good supportive family around me. Um Sort of during my teenage years, I went to an all-girls school and sort of lunchtimes, I'd play cards with the girls. Um, You know, I got to my 18th birthday and actually on my 18th birthday, my dad took me to Westcliff Casino. Um, I think I had about £10, £20 on me and, um, you know, and I walked in and I saw the lights and I saw all the tables and I was thinking, wow, you know, this is amazing and I think the first bet I ever placed was fifty p on number twenty seven, and it came in, and I won eighteen pound. But I, I still, you know, it, although I enjoyed it, um, it was almost like I just went sort of once every few months. It wasn't a problem, and um, to me, it was just a bit of fun. Um, I sort of found bingo as well when I was eighteen, and uh, yeah. So then fast forward um, in my 20s, I got married at 22, so I was quite young. Um, I had my two children within uh, a year of each other. So when I was 23, I had uh, my daughter, Georgia, who unfortunately um, was starved of oxygen at birth. So this resulted in Georgia being in Great Ormond Street. So I was sort of like thrust into being a mum, a young mum and um, two children under the age of two and also Georgia with, you know, quite a lot of problems. And I think because I never drunk alcohol or I'd never experimented with drugs, I think for me, it started gambling started to become sort of like a bit of an escape. And although it still wasn't problematic, it would still be something that I enjoyed doing, going to bingo, going to the local casino, perhaps going even to Romford Dogs. Um, So fast forward, um, I'm 29 now. My marriage has ended to Georgia and Danny's dad, although we remain on really good terms now, and my children are now 27 and 28 nearly. Um, so, but we've always remained really good friends and, um, he still see, he's a big part of my children's life. Um, so yeah, 29 years old and I go to the casino in Southend with my sister and a group of others. And again, I think I had 40, 50 quid on me. So not lots of money. Um, but that night, um, call it fate, call it destiny. I think it was mapped out for me now. Um, It was a progressive jackpot and it was five-card poker. And what happened was I had my pound on the progressive jackpot and I said to the person sitting next to me, oh, how do you win this jackpot? It was over £127,000. And they said, oh, no one ever wins it. It's like winning the lottery. It doesn't happen. It's like one in, you know, millions it was. And I said, well, what do you have to do to win it? And they said, you have to get dealt the Royal Flush. Um, so anyone that knows about poker, getting a Royal Flush is is, is pretty impossible. Uh, but three, three, so basically I had three turns and then the fourth turn I picked my cards up and I'd hit the Royal Flush, the 10-jack, Queen, King, Ace of Diamonds. And I knew that within 20 seconds the casino was going to go ballistic. Um, so the dealer flopped my cards down. Then I had the manager come running over to me. Oh, my God, Lisa. Sorry, he said, oh, my God, you know, you've just won the jackpot. Um, You know, look, we've got to check the cameras, blah, blah, blah. And then they sort of whisked me into this office and just said, like, what do you do for a living? Who are you? Where are you from? And I sort of started crying. I said, I'm a full-time carer for my daughter who's severely disabled. Uh, money is so tight. You know, this money is going to really change my life. My mortgage is 65 grand. It's, it's you know, it's my whole life's going to change. Well, boy, did it change. Um, so I waited a week for the cheque to clear in my bank account. And I was invited back to the casino to do some sort of stuff in, like, their local newspaper, which I'd done. But I was never, ever sat down and spoke to her about, this money is life changing and you know, and we need probably you need probably to speak to a financial advisor. I was told I could go back to the casino anytime. Um, I could have anything I wanted, free drinks, free meals, I could bring whoever I wanted up there and basically get treated like a VIP. Um, so that day, when I look back, you know, was probably one of the worst days. So gambling sort of consumed me. Um you know, for the next 16 years. Um, I think, you know, what I do want to say is that gambling is a progressive illness. And so, you know, from the age of 29 to 45, it progressively got worse. My betting started off, I would say, pretty small, Um, you know, but by the end of it, it you know, I didn't have any concept of money. Um, So... I I sort of, I gave my sister £20,000 and I done my whole house up from top to bottom and I took the kids to Disneyland but the rest of it I blew on gambling and I'd say within two years I'd probably blown all that money. Um, I had my own property, I had a lot of equity in my property but unfortunately the gambling just got a grip of me and when I say it got a grip of me, I couldn't Think of anything else apart from gambling every day, and I look back now and I think a lot of it was to an, es- an escape, it was an escape from what was going on, you know, just an escape into a different world. And I think because mine was always done land based, because when I was gambling, the internet wasn't even out, but when I was gambling, like back then, you know, to drive to a casino, to drive to a bookmaker's, it gave me that escape that I needed, and sometimes I'd spend 12. 14 hours a day just sitting in a casino gambling and sometimes I used to win and sometimes I used to well a lot of the time I used to lose but it was I'd always go back the next day and if I'd lost I'd chase and if I won it would be even more money so fast forward I'm now 35 years old I've remortgaged my house three times and I've got no equity equity left in it um, and um, I couldn't afford to pay. Um, I couldn't afford it anymore. My gambling had spiraled out of control. So I actually, um, I actually lost my house, um, and I ended up homeless through my gambling when I was thirty-five. So my kids were ten and eleven at the time, and I remember going up to the council and sort of sitting with the uh, housing officer. And just saying to me, like, you know, what on earth has happened? You know, you've had your own house, you've lost it. You know, what has happened? And I just said, I, I said, look, I'm, you know, I'm addicted to gambling. Um, I've got to be honest with you. I said, I've got I've got a huge gambling addiction and I, I just can't stop. And she just said, like, well, what are we supposed to do with someone addicted to gambling? And she didn't even say my name. She said, like, if you'd have been a drug addict or alcoholic, we could have helped you. But we can't help somebody that's gambled. Anyway, I ended up in a hostel with my two children uh, for six weeks. But luckily, my mum had the children at hers and I stayed at the hostel. And because of Georgia and all her needs, um, they found me a a purposely built flat um, for Georgia. But again, you know... The shame and the stigma. Um, I was told to go to my doctors. Um, and I went to my doctors, and again, I was, you know, my doctor said to me, like, you're a full-time carer, you know, like there's a lot of pressure. I think you need to go on antidepressants. Um, and I said, I'm not depressed, I'm not depressed, I need help. I said, I'm I'm addicted to gambling, I can't stop. I just can't stop. I said you know, it's like an alcoholic who, you know, needs a drink or it's like a drug addict who needs a drug. I need to gamble and I and I can't, you know, and I just felt so guilty about it. And, you know, and I tried Gamblers Anonymous. I tried it, you know, twice. And unfortunately, I failed because I just think I just wasn't ready, even though people think, you know, going homeless surely is rock bottom. That that still wasn't my rock bottom. So I continued Um, and it's going to be a shock to all the people listening, but I continued for another 10 years. I don't know how I was functioning because, you know, when you're gambling and you're in it, you know, the lack of sleep, um, the time, you know, the time that you spend, the lies you tell, um, you know, you start believing your own lies, you know, the, the way that your mental health is, I wasn't looking after myself, um, you know, when my, when my kids uh, ex had my children. It was the greatest you know for me to escape back down the casino back down the bookies, and that was my life. Wake up in the morning, drop the kids to school, go to the bingo hall if I didn't have the children, I would be down the casino and somewhere I used to find money, whether it was through loans, um you know whatever I could find so um what happened was I'm just sort of whisk- whisking over this story um. So now I'm 41 years old, and um, I meet um, I met Gary, who is my husband. Um, so we've been together nearly 10 years, and uh, we met when I was 41. And within sort of six months, we realised we wanted to spend the rest of our lives together. So I did tell him about my gambling, but I also told him that I only play poker at Westcliff Casino, and it's pretty much in control. But it wasn't. It wasn't in control um so again it was like a lie um you know but I continued that for four years sort of going to Westcliff Casino playing poker but then after the poker I'd go next door into the casino where I'd play roulette blackjack fruit machines whatever I could play and then drive home three four o'clock in the morning um and then it would start again but I think because um you know Gary, because I'd played poker and I was only going twice a week, I don't think he thought it was a problem and I kept it hidden. Like any addiction, people hide, Well, especially gamblers, because you can't see it. You can't physically see it, you know. And I was very good at masking everything. So, at 45 years old, um, I decided it was all my idea that me and Gary were going to get married in Vegas and again, I can hear everyone sort of like thinking, "Oh my God, this woman is nuts!" You know, she's a compulsive gambler, and she's getting married in Las Vegas. But that's exactly what I did. Fifteen of us flew out there when I was forty-five. Uh, we got married. Um, and I knew exactly. I planned it. I planned it to the like down to the the last sort of, you know, everything was detailed. What was going to happen? And I knew everyone that come was going to be drinking. And at the reception, and that's exactly what happened, so everyone was drinking. I don't drink alcohol, so I had my wedding dress on, and I said, "I'm going back to the hotel to get changed, and I'll be back in a, in an hour um and anyone who knows Las Vegas it's huge, and you have to get taxis everywhere. So I jumped in this taxi, went back to my hotel, and um, I actually took out a payday loan for two thousand pounds. Uh, which got wired to my bank account, and I started playing on this fruit machine. Uh, I had about 10 missed calls on my phone, um, you know, from different members of my party, and my husband, but I ignored it, and then about 11 o'clock, my husband walked into the hotel, found me on this fruit machine, and said, like, what the hell are you doing? You've missed most of the wedding reception, and uh, anyway... He was pretty drunk at the time, and uh, he went off to bed, and I stayed up until six o'clock in the morning, uh, gambling, and I'd lost I lost everything. I lost all the all the two thousand pounds plus all the other money that I'd had, um, and I just, you know, I'm in Vegas, and I thought, oh my god, you know, what the hell am I going to do? I'm, you know, my marriage is starting off on a lie, so. We got back from Vegas, and I had to pay this £2,000 loan off. Otherwise, I was going to be in trouble because it was quite a high-interest loan. And I remember asking my son, uh, Danny, who was 21 at the time, um, if I could borrow. Because the reason we chose Vegas as well was because Danny could come because he'd be 21, and he could gamble out there. Um, So he lent me this £2,000, and it hit my bank account. And I remember I was in Tesco's at the time, and I thought to myself, "The bookmaker's is literally a couple of minutes away. You know, do I pay this two thousand pounds off, or shall I try and double my money?" So I walked to William Hill, uh, put, you know, I at the time you was allowed to hand over bank cards. I remember putting four hundred pound on the Fobt machine, which is a fixed odd betting terminal machine. And I uh, lost the £400 probably within 10 minutes. I was playing a £100 a spin. Then I continued to do that for 35 minutes and I'd lost the £2,000. And you know what? Everybody in that betting shop knew me. They all knew me. They all could see uh, clearly. You know, I was distraught. This was the worst time. I was distraught. And nobody come up to me. Not one member of staff come up to me. And I remember walking back to my car, and it was the longest walk of my life. And I remember opening the door and putting my head on my steering wheel and thinking, please, someone help me, please. What the hell is wrong with me? You know, what is wrong with me? Why can't I beat this? What is, you know, why can't I beat this addiction? I'm going to lose everything. And I know the next thing is death because there's nothing left. There's nothing left. My body couldn't take it. The stress, the stress it caused me. So I reached out to somebody in GA, Gamblers Anonymous, who knew me and said to me, you've got to get back to the rooms. You've got to get back. So Tuesday, the uh, Tuesday, the 2nd of April 2018, I walked into Basildon, Gamblers Anonymous. There was 35 men and one other woman. And I told my story like I'm telling it today. But this time it was different. And the reason it was different was because I looked round the room and I was thinking, there's men that have been here from years ago when I first came into GA. What the, What are they doing? What are they doing? How come they could stay off a bet? You know, what have they got that I haven't got? And so I started listening. Um, I told my family everything. I got them all round. I told them everything, every loan. I told them about me going bankrupt in 2012. Um I started um, self-excluding myself from all the casinos, all the bookmakers, and I just threw myself into recovery. And after a year, I'd started chairing meetings at Gamblers Anonymous, and um, I've now been off a bit, sort of just, well, coming up to five and a half years now. And listen, I owe my life without a shadow of a doubt to GA. I owe my life to GA, but it took me a long long time this is my third recovery I'm hoping it's my last recovery you know and obviously you know questions are going to be asked now but for anybody that's listening any man any woman that's listening and thinking you know I've got a gambling addiction or I think I'm spending a little bit more money or a little bit more time there is hope and there's help and things are changing and I just want everybody to know that I am in a much 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 better place since i've i'm not you know since i'm not gambling, my whole life has changed, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but thank you for listening to my story yeah
0: well, I mean if there was a not at all if there was a a, a kind of thing that you could put on this podcast as an applause or you know just to say how brave um you know and I know this is a podcast and you can't see if you're listening to this you can't see Christina and Lawrence um body language but we're all just sitting here thinking just what an incredible story and just how how brave it was to share it but also just how um brave it was to uh, basically bear you know your soul as to what you've what you've been through um can I take you back to that that moment that you won that that first amount um the question that sprung into my mind was maybe you don't know the answer to this question but was if you hadn't won that big amount Do you think you would have still continued gambling to the extent that you you had done? Do you think it was the big win that made the difference?
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. It was a big win. You know, look, you know, I think anybody that, you know, knows about gambling, I would say eight, eight out of 10 people I talk to have that win. And it's it is again. It's like you have this big win, and then you start bigging bet. You know, you bet your bets are bigger, um, and you just start. You know, you think that you think you're going to win it again, or you think you're going to win more. But when you actually realise, and you start to learn about the addiction, you realise it's nothing to do with money. It wouldn't have mattered that day if I'd have won a million pound. It wouldn't have mattered. It, every penny would have gone on gambling. Because when you're winning, you know, you think you can win more. And when you lose, you chase. And it's that that vicious cycle. And that is what, you know, and that is what, so that winning that money, you know, I mean, now, when I look back, you know, and it's only probably been in the last year. But looking back, I think that I was destined to win that money because of what I do now because of how my path has... Because I help so many people now. But at the time, obviously, you just can't see it. And, um, you know, and a lot of blame, a lot of guilt. And this is the thing. There's so much guilt and stigma and shame. You know, this woman's ended up in a hostel with her two children, one of them severely disabled, you know, what you know what a bad mum how could she do this how could this happen but listen i'm not a bad mum i'm not a bad person i'm a good person i'm just, i was just addicted to gambling and i couldn't stop and people go but why can't you stop you know why couldn't you just stop lisa all you had to do was stop gambling but when you're in the thick of it and all you can think about is the fruit machines in your brain and the, the the reel spinning and the roulette wheel spinning. I knew every number on the roulette wheel and I knew, you know, and it, it, you just can't stop. You can't.
0: And interesting that you, a couple of times you talked about the um, support that you weren't given. You know, I'm thinking about in that moment when you won the money. And you talked about the fact that they took you into the room and they spoke about um, all the practical details around, you know, the money, how you get the money, what you did for a living. Um, and that was back, you know, quite a few years ago. Do you think, you know, I'm asking this question from, I suppose, your professional capacity as much as you know back in the day. But do you think that has changed? Do you think that if you had won that money today? there would be more support and more, um, I suppose, yeah, support for somebody winning that amount of money or do you think it's still, you know, a big problem?
2: I think it's probably a problem online, Um, you know, I think more so online because, again, you know, you're you're hiding behind the phone, the computer, whatever you're playing on, and I guess there's not a lot of checks done. I'm not really sure... um, you know, if you had, I mean, that big win was, is probably worth half a million pound now. Um, You know, if I won that 127 grand, I mean, it was over 21 years ago, I won it, Um, you know, so it's probably worth that sort of money now. Um, I'm hoping that if somebody did win that kind of money in a casino, um, or perhaps in Las Vegas, where, you know, you can win that sort of money. I'm hoping that things have changed. But it wouldn't shock me if to find out that things have not really, you know, changed. I mean, really, that day when I won that money, I, they should have said to me, when you come in the following week, you know, we're going to have a financial advisor here to just to talk to you because your mortgage is 65 grand. Now, I've won nearly double that, you know, so let's get someone in that can talk to her and, and, and guide her, you know, and... I didn't. It was just pressure for me to go back. Um, Now, listen, I wasn't dragged to the casino. I know, you know, I wasn't no one held a gun to me and said, right, at least you've got to go to the casino. But I think because I'd already crossed that line into addiction, you know, after I won that money, it was just so easy. And again, there wasn't anybody that ever come up to me in casinos, bookmakers, and I was doing a lot of money. You know, some days I put a £1,000 in the machine You know, so we're not talking like 50 quid. It was a lot of money going in. And they know what you're betting. They know. They can see. Um, But I'm hoping, obviously, well, I know that things are changing. They are changing, but
0: very slowly. How difficult do you think the online um, gambling is in terms of that support? Because as you said, that um, when you won the money, obviously, there was a lot of people around who were able to talk to you directly. In the online platform, you know, how does a big win look like? You know, what does it look like? Is that money automatically transferred into your account or do do you have, you know, support from say a oh, financial yeah.
2: advisor? I mean I mean I, I talk to women every day that play online and that you know, there's women that have mass big big wins, fifty grand go straight into their account, but you can reverse it. You can reverse it back straight away. Um so again, it's that You know, if women, men or women, if you're playing online and you have that big win, you know, take the money out. I mean, look, the operators um, and these big gambling firms, things are definitely changing because I have conversations pretty much once a week with different operators. And I talk to them about, you know, responsible gambling and what I think should be added on and what, you know, when to look out for somebody that's, you know, if somebody's, betting betting pattern starts to get a bit erratic or they're gambling through the night or they start gambling more money making sure all the checks are done making sure that people can prove you know they're what how much they earn you know uh, it's just too easy to get online and sign up and if you do have that big win making sure that perhaps somebody from the responsible gambling section team calls that person up and just like gives them a, a you know a talk like a chat you know look you've won all this money you know we want you to see you doing something good with it um you know so yeah there look things are happening but it's just really slow
0: well that's maybe a good point to bring in christina and, and lauren um is there anything you want to sort of add at this point or even to you know to pick up with lisa i just yeah thank you so much for
3: sharing your story lisa um, I think it's really important for other people to see and hear how things can um, become very out of control very quickly and how this you can live in that for so many years and not having the, the correct support. So thank you so much for, for sharing that with yes. us today.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Likewise, and I think um, the... The seeing the journey, you sharing it from childhood up and the inflection points and how clear you are about when things changed um, is really enlightening for me. And it's something that you, you see often in the research about early wins having this impact and then hearing the how profound that impact was on your life. Is yeah, breathtaking.
0: Oh, thank you. I think that's probably a really interesting point to pick up is the kind of emotional part of it. Because, um, I wanted to ask you, I suppose, can you maybe share with people what the two different extents of emotions you went through? You know, that what was that feeling when you won? You know, what was that emotion that high like? You know, and you talked about that lowest point going back to the car. Um, can you put that into words to paint yeah, you know, I mean, that picture?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know that that from. Listen, everyone says, you know, you get five minutes of fame in your life, and that five minutes of fame was definitely, you know, when I won that money when I was twenty nine. Everyone was touching me. It was Chinese New Year, and so the the casino was packed with Chinese you know, people and everyone was coming up going, oh, lucky lady and touching me and, you know, and everyone was talking to me, you know, and the feeling that, you know, I've won all this money and at the age of 29, I'm going to be mortgage free, you know, wow, you know, what a a great start to life, you know, I'm going to be able to do so much, this money is going to be able to help me, um, you know, and the buzz, and I didn't. I don't think I slept pro- probably for a week. You know, laying in bed thinking about, oh my god, this is life changing money. You know what it's going to do for everybody. And I did say, you know, I did give my sister twenty grand. um You know, so it, it is because you know you you have all these hopes and dreams about you know what you're going to do, and then you fall into addiction and this gambling addiction, and everything just gets wiped away. You know, listen, I'm an outgoing personality, I'm bubbly, you know, and gambling just took everything away from me, everything. I became a shell, I became somebody that I didn't recognise. You know, I used to think about gambling before my children. You know, I I just, you know, and, and that last day, that very, very last day, the, the 1st of April, 2018, in that bookmakers, I can't describe the feeling. It was like I was choking. It was like I was choking and I couldn't breathe. And I just wanted someone to come and rescue me and take the pain away. I just wanted someone to take all that pain from me because I thought, I am so sensible. I've brought my two children up practically on my own. My daughter's severely disabled, you know, hospital appointments, um, you know, I'm a good person, but I just can't stop gambling. I can't stop. And people, you, you know, and and it just, it just took everything from me, everything, you know. And thank goodness, thank goodness I had the, the strength and the courage to reach out to somebody that I knew. And thank God I got myself back into the, the rooms again with people that understood me. And I think that is so important to say. You know, you know, when you go into Gamblers Anonymous or wherever you're, where, whatever work, you know, wherever addiction, it's people understand you and they get you and there's no judgment. And people talk and you're just like, wow, this is amazing because people understand me and they don't think I'm this crazy person and you know and gradually you start to see you know you start to rebuild your life you start to look outside and think wow the sun's shining today I never used to take any notice of the weather you know you start to you start to get time back you know you start to play Monopoly with the kids or Scrabble or you do drawings or you go and visit your family but you're present you're, you're actually present in that conversation. You're not thinking, I want to run off to the bookmakers or the dogs or wherever. And that is the beauty of being in recovery. It's learning that you can
0: overcome a gambling addiction. It's incredible to, for, again, for you to have shared that. Um, and I think what we really want people to get out of this podcast is that they can relate to the various parts of the journey, you know, that kind of very low point the absolute low point, as well as the high points that you you had during the win. But then I think that that, that you just talked about now, the simple things in life that you're able to get back to doing, you know, it's the fact that you now can see light and you've now got this clear understanding. You can look back on your journey, look back on your picture and actually um, and honestly reflect on, you know, what it did to you. Um, Yeah. I think it's an incredible story.
3: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's really important. Um, like you were saying, Lisa, is that just because that you were in active addiction and you were gambling, it doesn't make you a bad mother. And I think this is one of the the huge stigma points that we have with with women in gambling. And I work for an organisation that supports people experiencing homelessness. So a lot of people um, that we support also are using substances, both drugs and alcohol, um, and to speak to women and like you said just because that you're gambling it doesn't make you a bad mother That, and it's so important because the stigma that women have and these traditional societal roles that tell us that we're the caregivers and we're the people that look after children and um, we're the people that you have to come to um, I speak to a lot of women that we, we support in our services and I was speaking to women last month and... She's ga- gambled throughout her whole life, um, and it's something that she's starting to seek support for now, just because we're starting to have more conversation in our services about gambling. And she's starting to realise that gambling can be harmful. It's not just her substance use that's harmful to her. Um, and the stories that she tells is that she wants, when she would receive her benefit money, she would want to support her children first she had to keep money behind so that she could gamble with that. And she had to have money saved so that she could purchase substances. And it's her knowing now that she's not a bad person. She's actually a great mum. She's a fantastic mother. And she was supporting her children through that as well. Um and I think that's such an important point to say, because women are so much stigmatized in any addiction because we've got these roles that we're supposed to to amplify.
0: Do you see from, you know, I think for Christina and Lauren, from the work that you're doing, you know, is the kind of connection with with homelessness and gambling, you know, is that on the rise or has it kind of stayed the same? What are the kind of, what's the research behind that?
1: Uh, So the big thing is that gambling and homelessness are connected. So if you're experiencing homelessness, and you're much more likely to also be experiencing harm from your own gambling. About one in eight people who are experiencing homelessness will also be experiencing harm from their gambling. That was from some international research and the kind of rates vary quite a lot, but the average was around one in eight um, and it goes both ways. So, for people who are experiencing harm from their own gambling, they're also more likely to be experiencing homelessness. But it's complex. So, it's not an obvious one is causing the other. For some people, they'll be the the gambling will be impacting on their housing stability, um, and that's leading to um, potentially financial problems, isolation, and then that's causing the homelessness. For other people, it might be that their experience of homelessness and the physical, emotional, the the impacts of that on them are such that gambling starts to seem more appealing Um, because it might be providing a safe space. It might be providing even just a warm space or providing a bit of um, predictability, so that sense that you you know the environment you're going into, whether it's online or off, and it also can provide an escape from potentially quite difficult life circumstances so in that case, the homelessness may come first and then gambling develops afterwards, and they can also be connected in other ways, so gambling and homelessness also have a variety of risk factors in common, like experience of trauma or child abuse, experience of relationship breakdown, um, experience of violence or any, any bits like that, and also just experience of difficult um, mental health, so, so poor mental health, depression, anxiety, um, so, social isolation. So there are all sorts of kind of common risk factors where it may be that it's actually experience of isolation that's led you to become homeless, but the gambling's played a part in that.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I was going to ask you, Lisa, that when you were um, for those six weeks, is that right? Six weeks that you were homeless. Yeah. Did you gamble during those six weeks that you were homeless? Yeah, I
2: did. Yeah, I did gamble. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I didn't was stop different gambling. was it type of gambling? Was it, was it a kind of more intense or, you know? I think it was more intense because one, I didn't have my children. I was on my
2: own. My mum had my children. I mean, I'd go back and see them during the day, but I had to go back to the hostel overnight. Um, you know, by a certain time, you had to get back. But during the day, yeah, once I'd seen the kids, I'd be off into the bookmakers, you know. and uh, But this is what I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't go back, like, going back to Lauren's point, you know, I couldn't, you know, the shame and the stigma... Um, and we actually so I actually now run a group called New Beginnings for Ladies, and that is one of the topics um guilt, shame, and stigma, because you know you do feel so much guilt, you do feel so much shame, and you know you're you know everything that's been said, you know you know women are normally the caregivers, and we are the people that sort of tend to hold everything together, like the glue, you know. And so when it all falls apart, you know, you do feel like that you are a failure. You feel like you're that failure. And, you know, I could, you know, everything everyone's been talking about, the women that come on that I talk to every day have also got cross addictions with drugs, alcohol, gambling. It all seems to, a lot of them go hand in hand. Um, You know, they drink or, you know, you take the drugs and then you gamble. and. what we try to do is try to give, build up women's confidence, and to give women hope. You know that, you know there is light at the end of the tunnel, and by going to all these different support groups now that are out there, you know that you can overcome these these addictions. You know, um, but again, it, you know, listen, I said every day for sixteen years, and the people people listening are going to relate to it. When I used to go to bed, whether it be two o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, ten o'clock at night, whenever it was, I would always say, I'm never going to gamble again. Tomorrow is going to be my fresh start and I'm never ever going to gamble again. And the next day I'd get up and I'd gamble. And that's what it was like for 16 years, 16 years of my life, promising people, telling lies, you know, um, and just, yeah, and just becoming a person that I don't recognise, I didn't recognise, you know. Um, but gradually, through being in recovery, I am getting, you know, I am getting back to to Lisa again, you know.
3: It must be so amazing, Lisa, to, to think about those 16 years and the, the lack of support services that were there for you compared to what's available now and especially New Beginnings, which was your idea. And to be able to support women Up, up In England, I know that they've just been commissioned um, new NHS gambling clinics and we don't have that in Scotland yet. Um, Our support systems for people who are experiencing gambling harm are still, there's still not really a lot of them at all. Um, But it's amazing to see what's happening in England for, for people and these services are starting to open. So it must just be great that you know that people know where to go now and that they're not going to be sitting with a housing officer and the housing officer saying, oh, I wish you were using substances instead. Because yeah. I just can't even imagine how you must have felt with all the shame and stigma that you have already. And then for someone to to shame you in that way yeah. is
2: just horrific that that happened. I know. And, and listen, things are changing. They are definitely changing. And I've always said... You know, right from sort of five years ago, when I sort of went into recovery, I've always said that the missing link is uh, gambling services. You know, there's services for alcohol and drug addiction and other addictions, but gambling is sort of quite low down. And I said, you know, right from the word go with the internet now and things, how they are, you know. I know within five, ten years that gambling is going to be totally out of control uh, because we are becoming a, a, a nation of, of gamblers, and that is because it's so easy to access, you know. But, you know, there is so much more now. I mean, you know, you've got residential services for women uh, that can go off to residential. You know, you've got uh, Bet No More UK. or Golden Moody is the residential uh, services for men and women. Whatever area you're in, you know, in England, um, you know, I don't know about Scotland, but I definitely know in England, whatever area you live in, there's services out there for men and women um, and different support groups, and it is needed. And the NHS clinics, what you've spoken about, are just, you know, we've waited so long for them, but it just goes to show that this gambling addiction, you know, is on the rise and more and more people are falling into the trap and so, obviously, there's going to have to be more and more clinics opened, um, you know, which which is a good thing, which is a good thing because it's getting recognised. And mm. I also um, now, since I, you know, my job I do, I'm very, very lucky. I speak to junior doctors. So I spoke to over 100 junior doctors last year and I'm speaking to over 100 junior doctors at a university this year um, about gambling harm. And about if someone comes to your doctor surgery you know what to look out for what to ask the questions to ask i talk to operators every day you know about how we can sort of you know responsible gambling and also run new beginnings um yeah so it's, it's we good have a,
3: we have a great treatment provider in scotland they're called the rca trust they're based through in bonnie paisley um and they actually come into our our hub. So we have a hub in Glasgow City Centre where people who are experiencing homelessness can go in, they can get support, maybe help with their benefits, um, they can attend support groups. And the RCA Trust have started coming in um, monthly to do a drop-in clinic. And it means that presence of just speaking about gambling harm is normalising the conversation and breaking down stigma that little bit more just so that you can have conversations and it's not... Because speaking about it and bringing it up for the first time is one of the hardest things, especially if you're not aware that gambling can
0: be harmful. I think it's really important to say that there will be a whole load of signposting um, both at the end of this podcast and also in the description. Um, when you actually you know, pick up this podcast, there'll be signposting to links for support. Um, we'll try and do it for the whole country because we realise that people will be listening in Scotland, but also throughout the rest of the, the UK. Um, so, you know, if you're hearing things and, and panicking, thinking um, you've missed the information, we'll make sure there's clear signposting so that you can um, get the information and help that you, that you might need. Can I just ask, Lisa, thinking about, you know, the sort of women particularly in this field, um, what would you say are the big barriers to women getting support? You know, when you talked about the walking into that, um, GA, you know, that third time and looking round the room and thinking that it was a room full of men. I think there was one other woman. How did that feel? And is that one of the big barriers? Or where do you see the problems, particularly um, in terms of women getting support?
2: Again, you know, it was, you know, 35, you know, you imagine walking, I mean, you imagine Robert walking into a room and there's 35 women and just you and another guy you know, you'd probably think, oh my God. And that's exactly what I did think. I thought, wow. And the first thing I thought was, you know, I've got personal problems. And do I really want to be sharing with 35 men? Whereas if it was a group of women, I would feel more comfortable sharing with other women, like minded women, you know, that understood me. So obviously, you've got huge barriers because because the women they're sitting at home or wherever they are and they're already feeling the shame the stigma the guilt they're already thinking who's going to understand me who is going to actually listen to me so what what you know what i thought about was if we could create a safe space first of all safe so that we meet on a weekly like we so basically new beginnings is a 10 week structured program And every sort of like, so we run a program for 10 weeks, we have a break, and then we run it again. So we have two cohorts that come in depending on um, if you want to do the nighttime or the daytime project. And it's for an hour and a half. And we have uh, every facilitator on New Beginnings has lived experience themselves of gambling harm, which I think is really important. Then I came up with 10 different topics. So we talk about relationships. We talk about mental health. We talk about our journeys, practical advice, and relapse, uh, guilt, urges, habits. We actually talk about uh, women's menopause, periods, um, all subjects that I wouldn't feel comfortable speaking to men about. So to build up that, and and also it's a really small group. So there's no, there's never ever more than seven women ever on so it's a small group, the women sort of come on and first of all, you know, they don't really want to talk on camera, they're a bit worried, they're a bit nervous, I don't know what's get, what it's all about. But after a few weeks, if you can imagine a, a flower that's sort of pretty much dead and wilting, and then after a few weeks, all of a sudden, this flower starts to open and it starts to become alive again. And the women's the, the women, you know, they change because they're talking to other women that get it. And they go, oh, my God, like, you've said that and I understand that. And, you know, we've never thought about that or we've never, you know, we didn't know that there was all these blocking apps you could put on your mobile phones. You know, we didn't know about Gamban, GamStop, you could put on your mobile phones. We didn't know about Gordon Moody residential retreat for women. We didn't know about Bet No More UK. We didn't know about Gam Care, Break Even. You know, there's I can list like so many services that are out there. All these wonderful people that are doing, you know, and once the women finish the 10 weeks, um, so as soon as the women sign up and they do their paperwork, they're allowed to join the health and wellbeing groups. And the health and wellbeing groups are run 52 weeks a year. Now I think that is so important to say. Because this gambling addiction that I've got, it's not just for 10 weeks. I know that I've got to be in recovery for the rest of my life. And so for women to be able to come into a safe space, whether they just want to drop in on the health and wellbeing groups for 10 minutes or or an hour, whatever they want, just to have that chat, a conversation with like-minded women, it just gives them that boost for that week. And gets them on their journey again. And I think that is what's important to, to say to people. It's, you know, although it sounds daunting, I've got to be in recovery for the rest of my life. It's, it's having the support around you to know that you can do it. Listen, I'm not saying everyone needs recovery for the rest of their lives. And I know people that can do it on their own. But for me personally, I can't do it on my own. And I need people around me to keep me going.
0: So thanks very much for that, Lisa. Um, I mean, that sounds incredible. And the level of support that's now available, particularly for women, um, really seems to be something that's getting a, a far greater focus. So thank you for for sharing that. Um, the podcast is moving towards its end, but I'm really conscious that we need to get some uh, further input from Christina and Lauren, particularly looking at it from a practitioner's point of view. So I'll pass you over to Christina and perhaps you could share some Um, places that anyone listening to this could go to.
1: Thanks. So if you're somebody who works with children, young people, families, communities, and the penny has dropped hearing Lisa's story that there may be people that you work with who have been experiencing harm from their gambling and it hasn't been picked up or it hasn't been something that people knew what to do with, um, there is training and education and resources available to support you and your organization to start addressing gambling to incorporate it into any assessments. So the organization I'm from fast forward, provide CPD training that's free. We can provide bespoke training to your any teams in your organization that would benefit from it, whether that's volunteers or workers. And RCA Trust, um, who Lauren's already mentioned, also provide training um, through the Bet You Can Help um, program, which has given inputs around criminal justice and can inform any kind of work that anyone working with communities and families and young people can access so so there is information out there and it can be a journey to incorporating gambling um, in your assessments and in the range of topics that your organization can cover but there is support out there to get
0: that started great thanks and of course we'll signpost to the incredible work that that fast forward uh, do uh, Lauren do you want to speak about um, any resources or support that you think would be particularly helpful?
3: Yeah, I think I just wanted to, to cut on the point that Lisa was talking about new beginnings and the the ten week course, and I think it's really important to show that um, although the the service they provide is for people experiencing gambling harm, that every week the focus isn't specifically on gambling; it's on something else. And to me, I think this shows what we all know sitting here is that gambling intertwines with every part of our life and it affects relationships, it affects our our mental health. As women, we have a a completely unique journey on our women's health journey. And it's really important to acknowledge that when a woman's cycle is four weeks and that at certain points in that four week cycle, you do feel lower, your hormones change. And this is when gambling can creep in. We go through a menopause change later in life or at any point in life, actually, sorry. And this is something that we have to be aware of that gambling can can be heightened by. And especially with people who are experiencing homelessness, it's almost as if the people that we support, the general public almost forget that they're women and they also have periods and they also go through the menopause. And this is heightened by homelessness. Um. And it's important to remember that that gambling can over overarch all, all of these things that are happening. Um, and I think that the way that it intertwines with people's lives, we also see it in society. It intertwines with society in a very systematic way that if you think in your head right now where your local bookies is, it's not going to be on the high street next to a designer shop, is it? It's going to be sitting next to a chippy. It's going to be sitting next to a pub it's going to be sitting next to an off-license. It's not in areas that are, are affluent. And it's um, a targeted systematic of people who'd experience in poverty, who are who are brought up within poverty. And I think this is something that needs to be acknowledged, especially within um, homelessness.
1: It, there's also an intersectionality to it in that people from ethnic minority backgrounds are much more likely to experience harm from their own gambling even though they're less likely to gamble. Um, So there's a a risk that comes in in a different way and that there's that same kind of risk around homelessness. So if you're from an ethnic minority background, you're also more likely to experience homelessness. One of the the things that's talked about around gambling for why is this the case um, is minority stress. So coping with the experience of marginalization, whether that's discrimination, whether that's racism, whether that's homophobia, whatever that looks like. Finding coping mechanisms where you can to deal with those damaging negative life experiences can make gambling more appealing. And then that exacerbates that experience of disadvantage. which is just tragic.
0: Thank you so much for that. I think, um, you know, as somebody who's not necessarily working in this field, you know, on a full-time basis, um, the insights that all three of you have given today have been incredible. And, you know, just how complex it is, I think, is what strikes me. Um, So, yeah, thank you so much for that. I think it's only right that, you know, in a podcast that's, that's all about Lisa's story. I think it's most important that we let Lisa have the, the kind of final word. Um, so Lisa, you know, in summing up, I suppose, your journey and, and where you are today, how would you like to to finish? What would be your message of someone listening to this who might be able to relate to any part of that journey? You know, the lows or the highs or where they are at the moment. What would you like to say?
2: i just like to say that there's always hope, always, and no matter where you are on your journey. Whether today, you know, you've listened to the podcast and you've thought to yourself, "Do you know what? I think I have got a, a you know, a, I don't like to say problem, a problem gambler." But if you have, you do think you're sort of suffering from gambling harm, you know, then reach out. There's a lot, a lot of fantastic support groups out there. I also think that everybody is, you know, I've already said on different parts of their journey, but what's really important is if women on the group come on and they do relapse or they lapse, um, you know, and they do gamble, it's straight back on to new beginnings. There's no judgment. Um, I relapse so many times during my 16-year gambling career. You know, I relapse constantly. Um, you know, so I do get it, and what I do say to the women is, you know, let's, you know, let's try something different, you know, let's journal, let's do, like, a gratitude list, like, let's do this, let's do that, did you have your boundaries in place, did you have a phone list in place where you could phone somebody up, what led you up to breaking out, you know, what was it that, that day that led, so we work on, we work on women's confidence, yeah, And I just think if someone would have said to me on the 1st of April 2018, Lisa, in 2023, you would have established new beginnings. Um, You'd have been on the TV. You know, you'd have been talking all over the country, flying off to different islands, Scotland, talking about new beginnings. I would have said, never, never. I I, I can't give up gambling. I can't do it. But People believed in me. They believed in me. Frankie Graham, the CEO of Bet No More, gave me a job and he believed in me. And I believe that anybody deserves chances. Everybody, whether it's gambling, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, if you're, you know, whatever religion, ethnic minority, we, we can provide hope and a safe space and that is what it's all about, and education, educating women that you can turn your lives around with the right support. And so never ever give up. Get up and say, I'm gonna do this and you and and reach out.
0: Well, I think that's an incredibly positive note to end on. Um and I do have to say that for our very first podcast, I can't think of anybody more inspirational having that title of Lisa's story, Lisa's journey um, than you, Lisa. So um, a massive thank you for giving up your time and for being so honest. And also a huge thank you to to Christina and Lauren. Um, and as I said, during the podcast, there will be clear signposting towards support materials that you can access to get help or to find out more. Um, So thanks very much.
1: So in terms of what we've got coming up, this November on the 16th, we've got the Scottish Gambling Education Conference. And anyone's welcome to join us who works with children, young people or families. And it'll be a great opportunity for people to find out more about gambling harm and how it impacts people in Scotland, and how you can incorporate gambling in the services that your organization provides, possibly how you could include it in assessments, how you could have difficult conversations. There'll be loads of workshops and it's quite practical. It's quite focused on um, what you can do in your practice to to address gambling. We also at Fast Forward provide a bunch of special topic webinars on different particular issues that connect up with gambling. So if you've already attended our CPD training, you can kind of keep up to date. For example, we've recently had some on gambling and homelessness. We've got some on loot boxes and on cryptocurrency and sport and gambling coming up. And you can follow us on Eventbrite to stay in the loop with what what we have planned our lovely colleagues at Simon Community are working with us on an e-learning for anybody who works with um, homelessness or in homelessness services on the connections between gambling and homelessness. And the idea with that is to provide that context and that bit of understanding around how these two experiences can be connected in the people that you support and start thinking about ways that you can address that and notice it and feel that you've got the tools and the confidence to have those conversations and provide support.
3: Yeah, it's definitely about like raising awareness within communities um, and organize, homeless organizations so that they can have the confidence, their staff can have the confidence. Um, and we're also organizing a, an event in October, I think a month today, actually, um, which, the lovely Lisa, is going to be speaking at. Um, and that's about women homelessness and gambling harm. And it's just looking at more to do with the the links that we are starting to see with domestic violence, with homelessness, with gambling. Um, and we've invited along a lot of different organisations from Scotland. Um, we've invited organisations that maybe work directly with women who are new mums in areas that are low social economic areas. And the reason that we're doing that is because of research that's came out showing that gambling organisations are targeting new mums. What's the the research?
1: Yeah, were- so we've we've talked about and both Lisa and Lauren referred to different life experiences that women are more likely to go through, such as menopause, but also becoming new parents. So we know that for women during pregnancy, um, one in 10 will experience depression. And then after pregnancy, one in 10 will experience postnatal depression. And we're hearing more and more reports of gambling operators targeting new parents, specifically new mums, through blogs. So parenting blogs that are used by new mums, they've paid bloggers to put out posts about, oh, you could try this new gambling site. It could offer that bit of fun, that bit of it. They make it look quite social because often new parents can be quite isolated and even earn that extra handy bit of cash. So there's this real um, predatory targeting of people, women who are in a vulnerable life stage where they're more likely to be experiencing poor mental health depression isolation and and that can be such triggers for experiencing harms around gambling for experiencing homelessness for experiencing all sorts of things so that targeting is um particularly concerning and i think that's important why we're
3: having um these organizations along with um more just established homeless organizations at this event in october is because we we know the links now. And at Simon Community, we also work with people who are at risk of experiencing homelessness. And we know from Lisa's story and from research that these women are at a high risk of both gambling harm and therefore homelessness as well.
0: So thanks once again for listening to this podcast. We do intend to run future podcasts all around the theme of gambling. So if you've enjoyed this one, please join us again for a future podcast. But in the meantime, a big thank you on behalf of the Fast Forward team.